0: Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Good morning again, everybody. Welcome to Dunwoody Community Church again. My name is Tim Beard. And uh, as I mentioned last week, our teaching pastor, Jeff Jansen, is getting a much-deserved vacation. Uh, He's down in Florida. Uh, Lord willing, he'll be back tomorrow. You know, one of the things that I've realized is um, Jeff makes it look so easy up here, doesn't he? He just kind of comes up, yeah, open your Bibles. And it just kind of comes so easy. I've been working really hard on this stuff and I can't wait for Jeff to come back. So uh, pray that he has a safe trip next week he or tomorrow when he comes back. I'm honored to be here, honored to continue our, um, our series um, that we started last week. But if you weren't here last week, just want to bring you up to speed on, on this. We're taking a break from our 1 Corinthians series. We've been doing a series in 1 Corinthians called Church at its Worst. We've been doing that for quite a while. And going into this season of ministry, you know, as we kind of regroup um, we're watching the virus. See what happens with all that. Lord willing, we'll continue to be able to meet freely like this. By the way, if you if you want to wear a mask, by all means, feel free to do that. There's no condemnation. We we understand. And um, so, we've been through so much over this last year and a half. We felt like you know we need a time when we, as a church, kind of regroup. That we uh, remind ourselves who we are as a church. So. Beginning on August the 8th, Jeff is going to be kicking off a new series next week on our values or the seven marks of a disciple um, that you'll find on our website. I want to encourage you to to try to make it for those. We have some other special things that are going on over the next few weeks. I want to let you know about those. So next week, Jeff will be back. Lord willing, he'll be talking about scripture. And then after the service next week, we're going to have a chili cook-off and Icy's in the parking lot. So you'll want to be here for that. Can we get an amen for chili cook-off and Icy's? Now, make sure you try Terrell's chili because it has a special meat that you maybe never tasted <laughs> before. But actually, uh, Tim Chu volunteered to head up the whole chili cook-off. So um, hey, this has nothing to do with anything either, but it does. Tim Chu, do you guys know Tim Chu in our congregation? This guy is a rock star. Um, every Saturday, he takes a group of people into downtown Atlanta, and he ministers to the, to the homeless. Uh, He's been showing up with our college and young adults group. Um, He just does all this stuff. He's actually away on a retreat with them. And I think there's actually multiple Tim Chews. I can't figure it out, but I think there's three or four of them. But when you see Tim Chew, when he comes back, thank him for all that he's been doing for the kingdom and for serving here at at DCC. So anyway, sorry, I got distracted. Nothing new there. August 8th, uh, next week, message on scripture, chili cook-off, ICEs On the 15th, we're going to be talking about our core value of community, authentic community. And then after the message in the uh, Fellowship Hall, AKA Theater, we're going to have a lot of our community groups going to be represented there, and they're going to have food, they're going to have fun things. It's basically a community rush. So they're going to try to show you that they're the best community group and why you should join them. So if you're not plugged into a community group, by all means, make sure you're here for that. Stick around on the 15th. Uh, On the 22nd, we're going to have breakfast here in the Fellowship Hall, uh, aka theater. You notice I'm saying Fellowship Hall because I'm Jeff's out of town, so when Jeff's out of town, I can do what I want, so I'm changing the name. I'm gonna call it Fellowship Hall. Whoever wants to call it theater, go ahead, but I'm calling it Fellowship Hall. On the 22nd, breakfast at the church, and Jeff will be doing a message on prayer. Uh, That Wednesday night, the Wednesday after the 22nd, uh, we're gonna have a special prayer service here at the church, and um, incidentally, I know I'm telling you a lot, but this is all really good stuff. On the 23rd, a Monday night, uh, here at the church, a few months ago, uh, the watermakers and I went down and met um, met with a pastor down in mexico and uh, he 's going to be up here. he loves worship, so we 're going to do a night of worship in English and spanish so Bring all your Spanish-speaking friends. It'll be a great night of worship here, Monday night. Natalie's going to be there. Natalie's mom's going to be there. Natalie's sister's going to be there. Danielle's going to be here. And Anna will be singing, too, which Anna doesn't speak Spanish. So it'll be really fun to see how that all works out. But anyway, a lot going on. But again, we're not doing these just, just for activities. We feel like it's time for us to regroup um, You know where we are as a church because we've been through so much together over the last year. And then... Um, you know, finally, before as we as we get into the message today, uh, if you weren't here last week, I'm doing a couple weeks on the kingdom, um, the kingdom of God. You know, we talked last week that Jesus only mentions the church two times in the New Testament, but we see the kingdom mentioned like 126 times. So Jesus came to establish the church, a local church, which is part of the kingdom. He came to build a kingdom and not just to plant a church. So, a reminder, we're gonna be in Mark chapter four. This week, we're gonna pick up. If you weren't here last week, just a quick catch-up to that. Last week, in Mark chapter four, we looked at verses four through 20. And this is a parable of the sower, or the parable of the, of the four soils. And we looked at, we talked a little bit about parables. We, we said that these parables were secrets from God. There are things about the kingdom that God revealed and made very clear. He explained to his followers, but they were hidden from people who didn't believe. You know, he went away with his with his followers and explained all these parables. So he's letting us in on these secrets of the kingdom of God. And we saw last week, he talked about, you know, when the word of God goes out, it's gonna hit four different kinds of soils. We talked about the hard soil. There's gonna be some people who hear the word, hear the gospel, and they want nothing to do with it. There's other people that it falls on, what he says, rocky soil. He says they immediately receive it with joy. This is so great. But when persecution hits, they fall away. He said, "There's a third soil. That's a soil that the soil is great, and the seed germinates, and it grows up, and it, it makes a plant. But it gets choked out by by the worries of the world, by by the by the thorns and the weeds. And if you were here last week, uh, I reminded us, or he kind of gave us a warning that perhaps the third soil are many believers, many followers of Jesus. That although yes, we believe, we trusted Christ." We're not bearing much fruit because we're kind of distracted by the things of the world or distracted by worries and cares. And I threw that out there to you um, last week. Then there's a the good soil that he says bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So we're going to continue. We're going to complete chapter 4 today. We're going to continue Jesus' teaching on the kingdom. And we're going to be looking today. We're going to read verses 21 through 34. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles if you're not there yet or bring out your uh, device and look at Mark 21 through 34. I'm reading from the New American Standard, so just follow along as best as you can. So he had gone through this whole parable talking about the four soils. He spent some time talking about it, explaining it. And then he goes on, verse 21, and he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put put under a peck measure is it or under a bed is it not brought to be put on the lampstand for nothing is hidden except to be revealed nor is anything been kept secret but that it should come to light if any man has ears to hear let him hear and he was saying to them take care what you listen to by your standard of measure it shall be measured to you and more shall be given you besides for whoever has To him, more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts up and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits... He immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches, so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. And with many such parables, he was speaking the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable. But he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. So Jesus had gone through, he had just explained this parable about the sower, and then he goes on. He starts talking about you know, this lamp. You know, what do you do with these things? What do you do with these secrets of God? Don't keep these things hidden. He said, that would be silly. That would be like lighting a lamp and hiding it under the bed. We don't know these truths. He hasn't shared these truths with his followers as kind of an inner circle. Oh, good, we know all these things. Now let's go hide out and be in our inner circle and not tell anybody about these. He said, no, these are things that are supposed to be proclaimed from the rooftops, shared with everybody we are to sow broadly as jesus did you know when jesus taught these parables he didn't just teach didn't just throw the parables out to his followers he sowed broadly in the same way we're supposed to take now we are the sowers where we take the gospel we take this good news of the kingdom and it's our responsibility to be the ones that share so not even though not everyone will accept the message of the gospel it has to be proclaimed everywhere. He says in Matthew twenty four fourteen that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, I think one of the leakiest things that that we have as Christ followers, you know, we talk about being disciples and make disciples. Uh, that's that's what we're about here at this church. It is two wings of a plane of being disciples, which we do pretty well. We're we're that's not that hard for us. I mean, it's hard. We have to work at it. But we love being together, as we should. We love fellowshipping together. We love community. We love studying the Word of God. But what leaks the hard part is sharing this, the other wing of the plane, the evangelism. That for some reason, and I don't know what it is, but, but evangelism is, is a leaky thing for us. We, uh, we have great intentions, we think, yeah, I wanna share my faith, a lot of things come in and will and we'll keep us from, from doing that. But you know, I want to encourage us today, as I did last week, that God has entrusted to us this message of salvation. There is no plan B if this doesn't work out. You know, I wish rather than the parable of the soils, he would have done the parable of the dandelion. Let me tell you the parable of the dandelion. You know, it grew up, this weed grew up, and it produced these seeds, and all the seeds just floated in the air, and they went and they germinated, and everybody came to know Jesus, amen. Isn't that great, the parable of the dandelion? That's not what it was these weren't dandelions. We need to be the ones who sow the seed of the gospel. There's no plan B that God says, oh, that didn't work out. Let me send my angels. Let me do all these kind of things. The gospel requires that we are sowers. Paul says in Romans 10, how can people believe in Christ if they haven't heard of him? So, you know, in our culture today, um, I told you, that I love going on mission trips. I love love going out and and kind of forcing myself to be involved in evangelism. But I really think that uh, our culture today we are becoming less and less of a society that really understands the gospel. You know, it used to be like um, fifteen years ago. I would do a wedding. And you talk about the normal stuff, one man, one woman, uh, united together for life. You share the gospel, and everybody's kind of, kind of nodding. I remember when I saw a shift in that, about 10 years ago, I performed a marriage ceremony in California, beautiful location, uh, overlook. You know, it was in this beautiful garden, and I did my usual wedding ceremony, and all the workers, all the people there said, wow, that was really interesting. I've never heard anything like that before like, really, you haven't heard anything like that? No, you know, people don't really talk about religious things anymore. I thought, well, that's, that's weird. And then what I've been noticing over the years is every wedding that I officiate, I'm becoming more and more odd. We are becoming more and more different from the rest of the world. The knowledge of the gospel that we've taken for granted, that we say, this is a Christian nation, everybody knows the gospel. No, they don't. We need to share the gospel, and you'd be surprised how many people say, "I never heard that before. I I didn't never really heard that." You know, as we sow the seeds from the go- for the gospel, the great news is that we have an ever never ending supply of seed to sow it. If you look, if you continue on in the chapter here, he says, "Take care what you listen to by your standard of measure." it shall be measured to you and more shall be given you besides. For whoever has, to him, more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from us. God has given us the responsibility to be disciples, to make disciples, but he's also given us an endless supply of seed and spiritual food that we can share the gospel with people. You know, this, in part of this, verse 25, where he says, for whoever has, to him more shall be given, whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. You know, that reminds me, and it should remind you probably if you're familiar with the, of the parable of the talents. Remember that? Where Jesus said where there were three people and uh, some this first person was entrusted a little, this person was entrusted more, this person a lot. And then it said that their master went away, came back, said, what have you done with what I've entrusted to you? Well, the two guys who got a little bit more, they said, hey, we took this. We invested this for you. We have a great return on investment. Look what we've done. And you know, the master was so pleased about this. But the one who received a little bit said, you know, I knew you're kind of hard to deal with. I knew that you reap or you don't sow. So I took what you had and I kind of hid it. And here, I got, you. I got what you have. You, you can have it back. Well, it didn't go very well for him. So there's a warning here for us. You know, Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. This is really, really serious stuff in that God has entrusted to us to be the messengers of the gospel. There's no plan B and eternity is in, is in the balance right here. If we don't share the gospel with people, don't just assume that somebody else is going to. Um, what we do, to quote one of my favorite theologians, Gladiator, what you do in life echoes through eternity. That's true. We have an we have an option, we have the ability to impact the eternity of people as we sow the seed of the gospel. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Spurgeon, I love this quote by Spurgeon. He says, The Bible is not the light of the world, it is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible, the world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. So we have this responsibility to be now the sower of the seeds of the gospel. So, we, our responsibility is to sow, but the great news is in 26 through 29, it's not our responsibility how people respond to the gospel. It's God's responsibility for growth. Look, at, look down at 26 through 29. He said, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. It go, he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. The seed sprouts up and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. So even though we're responsible to share our faith, we are the sowers, there's no plan B, God has given us that. We're not responsible for convincing people for making it so compelling that everybody accepts Christ. Only God can produce a changed heart. You know, the Bible teaches us that the things of God are foolishness to the natural man. Uh, Think about when you came to accept Christ. It's not because somebody just answered every single question and and explained it beyond beyond refute. It's like, okay, now that I have every question answered, now I'm gonna accept Christ. No, God did something in your heart. We're responsible for delivering the message. God is responsible for causing someone to believe. Now, this should be a great comfort to us because... You know, if we're not used to sharing our faith, man, we're really nervous about that. We're nervous about things like, well, I don't really have a story to tell or what if I, get a, what if I don't present it clearly or what if I can't answer every single question? That's, that's irrelevant. It's good to be prepared to give an account for all these things. But ultimately, when you lay the gospel out to people, That's what people respond to because God changes something in the heart. So we're not responsible for answering every single question of saying, I can't share my faith until I go through an apologetics class and be able to answer every every refute to the gospel. No, we don't. God changes the hearts. We deliver the message. Now, we never know where people are in the process. Um, You know, I think there's kind of like, a spectrum you get some people who they're just not ready to receive this or whatever you share with them and and nothing happens there's other people you might run into that without you knowing God has been preparing their hearts and they are like incredibly ripe and they're just waiting for somebody to come and and share the truth that's what happened to me so um believe it or not I was a heathen yeah I know you believe that I was a major heathen uh, as I as I shared, I was an entrepreneur. I was in nocturnal pharmaceutical sales. I began that career. Think about it, nocturnal pharmaceutical sales in high school. Okay. Anyway, think about it. Um, pursuing a successful career in that in that in that area, um, I was bad news. Um, as a matter of fact, when when after Cindy and I got together. Uh, she was counselled not to hang out with me because do you know who he is? But, but I was ripe. So God had prepared my heart without me even knowing it. So you know I grew up going to a church and I, you know I heard all this stuff, but it never really clicked. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I put God on the on the shelf. I heard these things, but I never really understood. And then I was in college, and I met this really cute blonde. So I was a junior. She was a freshman. She was really you know, nice blonde hair. She wore a little braid right here and everything. Um, by the way, this is Cindy. I'm not talking about some other woman. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be trouble when I get home after, after that. So it was like she was so much different than everybody else that I hung out with. And, and so... Um, she was foolish enough to go out on a date with me. We went out on a, on a Friday night. And I'm like, why are you so different? She says, well, I'm a Christian. I'm like, well, that's cool. Can I come to church with you on Sunday? She goes, yeah, come on, you can do that. And so we're sitting in church. We're in the basement of this church in Denton, Texas. And, and I didn't even make it to the church service. Like There wasn't a just as I am altar call kind of thing they were doing a Bible study for the college students in Acts 16 where Paul was in jail. Remember this story? He was in the uh, jail in Philippi. The earthquake came, and everybody's chains were broken, and they were all free. And the jailer's like, oh my gosh, everybody's gone. I'm going to kill myself. Paul said, no, 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 we're we're all still here. And then he says, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and all your house, you'll be saved. And um, did anybody just come to Christ right now? And anybody just make a decision to follow Christ with that wonderful gospel presentation? I mean, I was so ripe. That's all it took. Nobody was trying to convince me of anything. It was like, oh, that makes so much sense to me. I believe this. You know, I didn't have to do anything else after that. Nobody had to convince me, well, let me show you all the, all, the, all the reasons why you should believe. No, I knew in my heart, I was convinced of this. I was so ripe. We don't know where people are. You know, when we share the gospel, they might just like, boom, they believe. It's like, really, already? You know, there was a, there was a girl down here at a Kramer Coffee Shop. She, she worked down there. And, you know, we try to get out as much as possible, uh, we we try to get out of the office and be out in the community to just be around people who don't know Jesus because I'm pretty sure everybody who's on staff is a Christ follower although I'm not sure about everybody. We'll work. That's, that's another joke. Another, I'm sorry. Okay, so we were at crema, and you know we get in this conversation with one of the young ladies who who works there uh, multiple times and I don't know I maybe I shared my story or whatever. But I said, hey, would you like to meet when you get off? We won't be weird. I'll meet you over here. Love to talk to you about some of these spiritual things and everything. She goes, yeah, I'd like to do that. So we met like at like 3.30 at one time, and, and I started talking about these things. I, I shared my story with her, kind of got into that a little bit. I said, would you like to uh, maybe meet once a week and, and and read the Bible together? We can go through the book of John? She goes, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'm like, really? OK. So the next week, I showed up and we started going through the book of John. We got like two chapters in, and I said, What do you think about this? Um, She said, I think I believe that Jesus is my Savior. Like, Really? Already? Wow. Would you like to follow Jesus? Yes. Really? Okay. So, you know, she was ripe. She was ready to accept the gospel. We don't know where people are. I've got another dear, dear friend of mine that I've known. For, for years. He's, he's a Jewish guy. And when I first met this guy, you know, he didn't really want anything to do with talking about Jesus or whatever. And I used to honor him. Like we would pray for our meals and I would never really mention Jesus. You know, I wouldn't do like in Jesus name, you know, slip it in kind of thing. I'd say, and thank you God for this food and these friends or whatever. And then he would say, Tim, why didn't you pray, pray in Jesus name? And I said, well, because just out of respect for you, because I know that you're not really there. He goes, oh, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Over the years, he started asking me questions. He's like, so are you telling me that the Last Supper was, was really a Passover meal? And I'm like, yeah, it was. He goes, who knew this kind of stuff? And, and you're telling me that Jesus was Jewish? And I'm like, Yes, he was Jewish, and we started getting these conversations more and more over the years. He went to a, a trip with his wife; they went to Israel to go tour the Holy Land. He came back. He he came back. We had dinner, and he said, "Tim, you know, I was over there. We saw all of these places where Jesus was. Why don't the Jews think he's a Messiah?" And I'm like, "I don't know. You tell me," <laughs> you know. <laughs> He goes, I think he might be. I think, I think he is too. So he is just right on the edge. He's just like got one foot in the one foot in the water. So our responsibility is to share the gospel, you know, to sow the seeds. We don't say when somebody's going to accept, when they're going to not accept. We don't know. We don't know where people are in the spectrum. Our responsibility is to sow. It's God's responsibility for them to grow. Now just a little plug here really, really quickly as we continue in the text here. Um, you need to have some tools for this. You need to have some things that you can you can share that you don't have to think about. Oh my gosh, what do I do about this? And really, really a couple of tools. Now I call it my testimony. Cindy doesn't like me using testimony. She says, call it your story because testimony says, I'm now going to share my testimony to you. So that sounds like fun, doesn't it? But being able to share your story, like just a three minute story of how you met Jesus and how, you know, hopefully your life is different as a result. We need to know that and practice that and be able to say that very quickly. The other thing is a a gospel presentation. And you don't have to get really, you know, tricky with this thing. Uh, We have all sinned, we fall short of the glory of God. Jesus came and he died for our sins on the cross. He died, he was buried, he was resurrected, he sits at the right hand of the Father. If you want forgiveness of sins, you just believe this and accept it as a free gift. That's the gospel. Everybody can do that. And it doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, you left out these points or whatever. You need to bring out the correct theology of the Holy Spirit and all that. No, just sow the simple seeds of the gospel. We need those tools. We need to practice them. And that's why, again, beginning on Wednesday, September the 15th, here at the church in the Fellowship Hall, formerly known as a Theater we're gonna be doing a missional community. It's 10 weeks of a missional community where we're going to practice living missionally together. Uh, I shared last week, we did a pilot of this and we saw a lot of fruit. We saw the gospel going out to a lot of people. We saw many come to Christ uh, who was on our board of our hit list of people that, that we're praying for. Um, I guarantee you will see spiritual fruit in your life and there's a good chance we're gonna see people at least come closer to a saving faith in Jesus. So it's beginning on October 15th. It's already up on the website. There's a $25 cost uh, just to cover the cost of the book and a study guide. 10 weeks, an hour and a half. uh, If you want to be serious about getting tools, getting equipped about being sowers of the seed, I wanna invite you guys to go ahead and sign up for that. Plan on being a part of that. Okay, we go on um so we've seen that it's our responsibility to sow it's god's responsibility to cause the seed to grow and then he goes on he tells this parable about the mustard seed where he says okay this is what you can expect this is a kingdom growth plan where he talks about how should we picture the kingdom of god it's like a mustard seed which when sown upon the soil though it's smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil yet when it's sown it grows up becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches you know remember at this time the jews at this time were looking for a physical kingdom of god they were looking for the messiah to come in and usher the physical usher in the physical kingdom of god So they were assuming, okay, if you're the Messiah, then we're just waiting for what's gonna happen is we're going to just grow and grow and grow, have all these believers or all these followers of Jesus, we're gonna take out the Romans, we're gonna establish the kingdom of God in Jerusalem and the kingdom will reign. Jesus said, no, it's not really gonna be like that. I'm not gonna set up Jerusalem community church. You know, I mentioned last week, wouldn't that have been a a great church? Like the best preaching today, preaching the message is Jesus Christ. You know, it's like, oh, I want to go to that, and um, you know, think about the worship times. So he's standing up there, and you know what, Ben, we don't really need you. I'm just going to show you my glory. So he shows the glory. Everybody falls down on the on their faces. I mean, like I said, the potlucks are great. Just bring me a couple, you know, a couple of fish and some loaves, and we'll feed everybody anyway. So he didn't set that up. Jesus could have done that. He could have come here and said, man, I'm going to set up my physical kingdom right now. But instead, he set up an invisible kingdom that he started that didn't, be, didn't start with this big mass of people, but he really whittled it down. So Jesus's method of building the kingdom was not do something really big, but it would start really, really small. Remember, if we look in the Gospels, we see, yeah, Jesus was spending some time with the multitudes. He was sharing, or he was teaching, he was doing all these things. But then he really invested more time, or, yeah, a lot more time with his 12, with his his 12 apostles. Uh, He invested in them. They're like his community group. And then you see these three guys, Peter, James, and John, which are his inner circle, and he spent even more time within, with them. When he wanted to be alone or was going through something, uh, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, these were the guys, this was inner circle that he took with him. You know, I make the comment or the observation that uh, he was in a deep relationship with these guys. He had nicknames for them. You know, he called uh, Peter, you're the rock, and James and John, sons of thunder. You know, you only have nicknames for people that you're really close, close to, like uh, Stephen, even our, our drummer, I call him Hollywood every week. I don't know why, but I just call him Hollywood. I love him. It got a nickname for him. So Jesus' method was not to, all right, we're gonna build this big kingdom. We're gonna do all these big things. No, he invested in a few. And then by investing in a few, he saw a kingdom grow through multiplication. Now, As we are regrouping as a church here at Dunwoody Community Church, that's also a similar growth plan or similar kingdom growth plan that we have here. We have three environments that we support and that we build into here at Dunwoody Community Church. We have our worship services, our church services. This is a crowd. This is you guys. Lots of fruit from this. We worship together. We hear Jeff and others speak the word, teach the word really, really well. It's really, really good. But then we have our community groups, which is really where you can get into more of the personal interaction with people. You can do more care for people. You know, We're modeling this after what Jesus did. And by the way, if you're not in a community group, remember on the 15th of August, be here and we'll get you plugged into one. And then Jesus poured into the three, Peter, James, and John. And those are like our D groups, our discipleship groups where you know every year, year or two, I'll take three or four guys and we'll just meet together once a week and we'll memorize scripture together. We'll ask each other hard questions. I'm just pouring into them. And then my encouragement is, is for them to go do the same. So we're trying to mimic here at Dunwoody Community Church, Jesus not only Jesus' method or message of proclaiming the gospel, but his method for kingdom growth of pouring into a few, investing in a few, and then seeing growth through, through multiplication. You know, our goal here at DCC is to see each one of you to multiply, you know, spiritual fruit, through fruit the spirit in your life, and to see your life have, have an impact so that you would represent that good soil where you produce fruit 30 fold 60 fold and 100 fold now really quickly verse 33 through 34 he wraps up this section and it says with many such parables he was speaking the word to them as they were able to hear it and he did not speak to them without a parable but he was explaining everything to his own disciples you know this is a great word for us right now because um as followers of Jesus, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ, comes and dwells in you. And as you spend time in the Word, you know, as we're going to talk about next week, the importance of Scripture, as you spend time meditating and studying the Word, just as Jesus explained everything to his disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to give you understanding on things. You know, maybe not everything that you're going to have um Everything completely, oh yeah, I understand every single thing in the Bible. But the more you meditate on it, the more you dig into it, he's gonna reveal more and more. Remember what he said? To those who have, I'm gonna give you more and more. So that's a great comfort for us. Okay, so those are the parables of the kingdom in Mark chapter four. And originally I'm thinking, okay, so we'll just end right here, we'll close in prayer. But then, you know, as you go on, you see on verse 35, and on that day, when the when evening had come, you know, it seems initially like we're going on to something completely different, but it's tied on to that very same day. I think Jesus is very intentional about what he does and it's not like, okay, I've taught you these things, now we're gonna do something else completely random. How does this tie into what we just saw before? You know, um, my old pastor at, at, Fellowship Bible Church used to say that context is king. When you look at Scripture, when you're reading in Scripture and interpreting Scripture, don't just pull out a verse and, and look at it here, but see what came uh, before and what comes after, afterwards. And as I read this text, so the, the rest of this, I won't read it right now because of lack of time, but this is where Jesus and his, and his followers, they get in a boat. He says, all right, let's go to the other side. They get into a boat. And they're going across and this big storm comes and you know they're bailing water out, doing all this stuff, and, and finally they, they wake up Jesus who's asleep with all this storm and say, Don't you care about us? And he and he says, Oh, hold on a second. He just tells everything to be still and he calms the storm and it's immediately still and he's still and he says, Why are you so afraid? Don't don't you have faith? Why is this here? You know, why this Story right after all these parables. Well, I think that what they're doing right here is uh, they're going on their first mission trip, okay? Because actually, what, what's across the sea where they're going is to Gentile country. So you think about the disciples. Oh, man, this is so good. We've heard these parables. We've heard this teaching. We're in the inner circle. Jesus said that not everybody's going to understand this, but, but we are his followers, and he gives us spiritual truth and insight. Wow, I feel really good about ourselves. I feel really good about this understanding. This is so great. And then we're going to go on a mission trip. Wow, what could possibly go wrong with this mission trip? And then the next thing you see is like, we're going to die. We're going to die. Wake him up. Wake him up. You know, I think the principle here is that we are entrusted with the secrets of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm talking to us here, all followers of Jesus. We're entrusted with the secrets of the kingdom of God. We're the sowers. It's up to us, but it doesn't mean that there's going to be necessarily smooth sailing as we go. Can we look at this last year and a half and say amen to that? Look at the churches all around the country that many of them are out of business as a result of the storms that come and and afflict them. Just because you're entrusted with the word of God, just because you're on mission, just because we are called to be disciples and make disciples in this community does not mean that we are immune from storms and trials and persecution and difficulties in our lives. As a matter of fact, you can expect it. But what do we see from this? When we encounter those storms, we don't try to solve it in ourselves. You know, the, the, those followers were like, we got this. We don't want to wake them up. We're bailing, bailing, bailing. And finally, we're going to die. And finally, let's, hey, maybe we should wake up Jesus and have him deal with this. So in the same way, as we encounter the storms, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to be masked or no mask. We don't know whether we're Democrat or Republican whether we're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, we don't know all the things that are gonna happen within our country, within our world, but we're not gonna lose sight of what we're called to do, to be disciples and make disciples, to focus on the kingdom because Jesus will care for us. He will calm, calm the storms. Doesn't mean we won't go through the storms, but he will call, calm the storms. Our responsibility is to focus on the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. So with all the junk on Facebook, all the stuff that we see, let's not get distracted. Let's remember that Jesus has called us to be the sowers, to be disciples who make disciples in this generation. Now, a quick epilogue. I know, I just, I I can't help myself. As you see in chapter five, why is chapter five here? Okay, well, what happened on this mission trip? We won't go into this, but chapter five this is where they go into the Gentile country, and they're immediately met with. Uh, it, it says in another text, there's two guys who were demon possessed. Uh, one of the one of the places in the gospel talks about two guys. The other two say, you know, they really focus on the one guy. They said this was a huge man. He would break chains. They try to bind him up, and um, he's running around naked. And he has about three thousand demons who are who uh, who are possessed him. Now, I don't know about you, but a big old naked man with 3,000 demons possessing him is not my idea of, hey, this is some good soil. Let's share the gospel with this guy. That's going to be really, really great. It's like, I think we should get back in the boat and turn back around. And what happens? Jesus ends up encountering him. He casts out the demons. And then what do you see? You see him afterwards sitting at Jesus' feet. Jesus is teaching him, ministering to him, and he says, Jesus, can I follow you? And for the only time in scripture, Jesus was asked a prayer request, and he said, no, you can't follow me. I want you to go share the gospel, share about me to these people in this area. So what we saw was the first missionary being sent. This guy didn't go to seminary, he didn't do all these kind of things. He had met Jesus that very same day, and he was sent to the Gentiles in his his area, to share about what Jesus did for him. In the same way, we are sent to the soil. We don't know what the kind of soil is gonna be. Don't judge people by how they look externally. Don't judge by their past or whatever. We don't know how they are, or we don't know how they're gonna respond to the gospel. But let's be people who really take this seriously. As Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. You know, listen carefully to these things. Let's encourage one another to be disciples and to make disciples. Now, finally, as we go into communion, um, you know, I, I told Mart this morning, I, I said, man, I felt like, you know, teaching this, this kind of stuff, I hope I'm not beating up on everybody. It's like, go share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. Um, I'm preaching to myself. And also there's great encouragement of Jesus didn't bring the gospel to people, bring people to the saving faith and say, Great now now you trust in me you follow me now good luck with the rest of your life I'm not going to help you with anything else you know I've saved you you believe in me I've saved you but now I really want you to mess up and bear fruit. no fruit now Jesus is for us remember in the Great Commission the last part of it he said and lo I'm, I'm I'm with you always to the end of the age so even though sharing the faith doing all these things this kingdom mentality even though it might sound frightening and it might it, it leaks. Um, We're not condemned. We want to be our we want to be each other's cheerleaders to encourage one another. Jesus is for you. He wants to see His kingdom grow, and it's a great joy to be a part of that. So, as we go into communion, what we're going to do is um, we're going to have Joseph come up, and he's going to um, make some make some sounds. As we, uh, I usually do pads on on the keyboard, but I can't do that. And um, he's going to do a little little music. We're going to set set the environment. And again, uh, when we take the Lord's Supper together, we're, we're told to do two things. Paul says, examine your hearts. And so before you get up and you take the elements, um, again, there's pre-prepared stuff in the back. This is our normal communion up front and on the sides. Um, before you take the elements, search your heart. See what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Don't, don't search what Tim is saying to you. Search and see what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I'm sure he's speaking to each one of us today. He's saying something. Make a commitment to act on that, and then when you feel ready, go ahead and take the elements, go back to your seat, and we'll take communion together, okay? So I'm going to pray for us. Um, We'll take communion, and then we're going to continue to worship in song after that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for these truths in Scripture, Lord, these things that were hidden to previous generations, Lord, that you have revealed them to us, your followers, that you have shown us what the kingdom is like. You have shown us what the soil is like. You have shown us uh, how it's gonna grow. You've shown us what you're responsible for and what we're responsible for. And Lord, we want to be found faithful. We wanna be stewards, good stewards of all you have entrusted to us and you have entrusted much. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. You would tell us things that you want us to do. You reveal to us things about your kingdom that you want us to do specifically as a result of what we have heard in your word today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, and um, lead us now as we uh, prepare to remember you in communion and pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.